Hello and welcome to Let Fear Bounce. This is Kim Langland, your host, and today I am welcoming in Carib Mars, and she's coming to us from Washington State in the United States, where she's going to share her journey of living within the foster care system and the program that she founded, Aging Out and Rising Up. Sit back, folks, grab your cup of coffee. You're not going to want to miss this episode. So let's get this show started. Hello, everyone. Hello, hello, friends. Welcome to Let Fear Bounce. This is Kim Langling, your host. Today, I have an ab- the absolute pleasure, absolute pleasure to introduce Carib Mars from Washington State. I'm in Pennsylvania, so she is clear across the country from me. She is a speaker and an advocate. Carib Mars is a former foster who, despite the odds, has found her way to happy, a survivor of every kind of abuse. Carib walked to her local police station at the age of eight years old and started into the foster care process. She was never adopted and aged out at the age of 18 years or at 18 years of age, sorry. Over the years, Carib has overcome many obstacles to create her own slice of a modest good life and believes that we are all capable of thriving. She's created a platform called Age Out, Rise Up to reach out to former fosters of all ages and encourage them to move past their bad histories and to choose to rise. Carib, welcome, welcome, welcome. I was so excited to have you on the show. And the main thing that jumped out to me, uh, I think I connected with you on um, a Facebook group, actually. And the main thing that jumped out at me, and I thought, oh, I have to have this woman on the show, was the name of your organization and your mission, Age Out, Rise Up. And I, I just absolutely love that. Absolutely love that. So. I'm going to turn it over to you. You want to introduce yourself again and add a little more to it. And then please, please share with us um, how you came about Age Out and Rise Up, came out with a name and what it is that you're doing with your mission today. Sure, absolutely. Thanks for having me. Yes, um, I am Kara Mars. Um, I have been in the foster system myself. I've also been a foster parent um, and that that journey didn't really work out for us, but I, uh, we, we went through secondary infertility. So we were only able to have one child and I always felt like I want that. I, I was called kind of to be a mom. I haven't parented myself, as you said, since that age of eight years old. Um, so age out rise up started when we decided to stop fostering and I still felt very much this need to volunteer, this need very much to nurture. And so what I had planned on doing, uh, I got this idea last January, was to create sort of an AA type group for former fosters, where we could meet at the library and talk about, yes, talk about our stories, but also learn uh, real practical life skills that maybe you don't get when you age out of foster care. Um, I should explain that when you age out of foster care, that means that you are never adopted and you never return home. So between the ages of 18 to 21, depending on wherever, whatever state that you're in, 
you are basically given a bag of your belongings and told, see you later. You know, I hope, I hope you, I hope you do well. And unfortunately, usually people do not do well. It is one in three that end up homeless or incarcerated. They just don't have the skills. You know, that's such a young age to be completely on your own. And then I realized I joined quite a few foster, former foster groups. And I realized that the baggage that we have, it never totally goes away. And a lot of people sort of use it and wrap themselves up in a blanket, um, kind of of their victimhood. And I don't mean that in a derogatory sense. I just mean that's all that they know. Even I remember being really struck because once there was a 52 year old woman who said, how do I love myself when my mother never could not even love me? And she was 52 years old and still trying to figure that out. Oh my. Yeah. And so um, that's how Age Out Rise Up. Uh, I had to take it online. And so what I do is I interview former fosters who are, who are moving up, who have taken some of their own power. And um, I think society wants to tell you that if you've been, if you were born into this certain circumstance and this is all you get, um, or that they need to take care of you. And what I found is that we are actually extremely capable because of the resilience, because of the things that we've been through of caring for ourselves. Now, a couple things that as you were speaking, just really, <clears throat> really jumped out at me and not being, you know, in, I've not ever fostered a child. I have, I was not ever a foster child myself. So I, I honestly, you're, you're teaching me all kinds of stuff right now. Um, as now I, I, I've always, I've always known for whatever reason that what, you know, aging out, I, I knew what that meant right away when I read it. Um, and then when it does come that time, you're pretty much just, you know, you have whatever it is, your, your small pile of belongings. And they say, you know, off you go. Good luck. I've often wondered why it's done like that, but I didn't realize that so many of the life skills are not provided, um, to any of these, well, they're kids. They're still kids. I don't know if you're 18, you're considered an adult, but you're still, you're still a child. You know, uh, you don't have the wisdom of, of years and experience yet. Um, and that's going to be so difficult. And the one in three, the one in three that you said becomes homeless or incarcerated. That's devastating. Right. That is a devastating statistic. And I, I did not know that it's simply because I'm, I'm not in that realm, you know, um, right. but oh my goodness, one in three. So I have a question. Sure. When you're a foster parent or you're in the foster system, is there nothing in place except for that, you know, the kids are living with foster parents and they just go to school and do whatever. There's no outside, uh, support from the foster system to provide classes like, you know, how to cook, how to do your laundry, you know? Right. Right. So it's interesting because, um, Ben Carson and the HUD 
department in the last four years have created a program called the Foster, um, Foster Youth to Independence Initiative. And that does provide some of the skills. So it is different now. Um, and then they, there are lots of opportunities. It, it kind of depends on where you're at. If you're closer to the city, there are opportunities for kids like Boys and Girls Club type things sure. specifically for foster kids. Um, part of the problem though, is that if you are feeding into kids um, that they are victims, you're basically feeding into kids that they are helpless. And also one thing that I really try to teach is, um, and it can get controversial, but uh, empowerment over entitlement. And so what happens a lot of times is that instead of the kids getting these skills and having hard truths told to them, and um, you know, like just the hard truth that you're 14, the reality of you being adopted it, it, the chances are not that are not that strong, so we need to prepare you now. I believe that we should be doing this in like a school type setting. I think that when other kids are going to study hall, kids who are on that verge, getting ready to age out, should be learning things like how to like this is how much money that you will get from the state, and if you want to live like this, then that's fine. But if you want more then this is the track that you need to take. Um, and I don't believe that that on a grand scale has been done. And also a lot of times the kids don't want to do it. So it's a hard, and you, and you, and you can't make them. Right. Uh, a lot of people will use words like, you know, that could trigger them. And Honestly, I come from, you know, the school of hard knocks. I've raised myself since I was eight years old. Yes, I had a roof over my head and lived in other people's homes, but I lived in 18 homes in nine years. So um, I wanted those hard truths. And I think that the people who've gone through the things that we've gone through can handle those hard truths. But when 20-year-old social workers are saying, oh, no, 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 because that could trigger them, don't, you know, we, we don't have any kind of discipline. We don't have any kind of consequences, anything like that, because that could trigger a child. Then we run into the problems. And the sad thing is, is that these numbers, these are generations and generations and generations since foster care came into play of how long, um, you know, these, these people have had very low expectations and that it <clears throat> that's actually it, it hurts it it hurts my heart to hear all of that um and i'm hoping that all of you listening it hurts your heart too because it should um you you lived in 18 homes in nine years yes and i'm going to assume that there was a reason for the the constant upheaval and, and changing? Yes. So in the 80s and 90s as a foster child, um, and they actually did sue a couple of years after I got out of foster care, but um, in the 80s and 90s, they didn't want you to attach to your foster families. So that was part of it and why you would stay only in a home for like six months and then you would hear your social workers coming today to get you. 
and you would be moved to another home. But the other parts were sometimes the homes were really horrible and it was me talking to my therapist saying, no, I, mm -mm, this does not work. Or it was them not liking me and saying, no, uh-uh, she doesn't work. And the hard part about that is that I've had some kids that have, um, that have been like extremely violent or sexually promiscuous. And I'm talking about young children under the age of 10 um, that have been like that. I wasn't like that. Back then, it was more of... Like the town I was from, all, all of my homes were Caucasian, I'm biracial, and they just didn't see themselves adopting someone of a different color at that point. And what a sad state of the world that makes it, huh? Um, to me, a child in need is a child in need. There's, yeah. no, there's, no, color, there's no color involved. But that, that's, no, just I, me. that's just me. Maybe I shouldn't be sharing my opinions, but you know what? It's my show, so I will. <laughs> um, so I, I can say both. I can, I can speak to both parts of that. Um, when we first started, I was open to absolutely any child. Um, there, there were, like, because I had a young son, there, I did not want a sexually aggressive youth in my home. Sure. Um, but in, but in terms of race, absolutely open to any child. And then I got some children who were flat out totally afraid of me from like the second they walked in the door screaming, she can't be our mom. She's mocha chocolate. Oh my goodness. And so I can understand and see value in families mirroring each other. But I think that ultimately that comes down to love. And I think that both, both sides should have a say in that. I think that even children should have a say. This is their forever home and so many adoptions are failed adoptions because the criteria that that people are looking for aren't necessarily the criteria that um, that's going to work for the child. You know, you had, you had mentioned you know, some of the kids are sexually aggressive or um, maybe violent, violent mm -hmm. you know. And as you were saying that, my first thought, literally my first thought was, that's a taught behavior. And what their lives must have been like prior, because they were taught that somehow, whether they were sexually abused right. um, or lived around or within extreme anger and physical abuse, they were taught that. I mean, you're not... You're not born being that way. So this is an interesting one. Um, uh, yeah, it, it's an interesting one because yes, in most cases, that's, that is the truth. Now, I don't know if you've ever heard of the ACEs scale, but the ACEs scale measures your, the amount of trauma that you've been through. You've, there's 10 marks on it and it has everything from, you've experienced homelessness, you've experienced um, divorce, you've experienced, sexual abuse, physical abuse, all of these things. And then what it says, the ACEs scale gives a prediction of kind of how you're supposed to turn out in life. Your, your risks for diabetes, heart disease, um, suicide, depression, not, not finishing college, all of these things. I don't like the ACEs scale because I feel like it gives people sort of a, 
sort of an excuse, you know, oh, well, this is why I'm not successful in life. Yeah. <clears throat> and I think it should be used as a toolbox. But I will tell you that a child that we had who was extremely, extremely violent and um, literally took a butcher knife to my son's bedroom door. She, she tried to get him, but I had just put a lock on his bedroom door. Um, and she stabbed, she stabbed his door 40 times. And she was a two on the ACEs scale. So sometimes I think that, that feeding these kids what I think is that instead of teaching kids to rise, sometimes they're teaching them to rage, especially right now. And I think that teaching these kids to rage um, can almost replace reality, if that makes sense. No, I, I agree. And as you're talking, I was sitting there thinking, you know, <clears throat> if they're taught certain things and this is, you know, you know, use this, use your anger, use this and blame this and blame that for the way you are. It's a lot of really good excuses for not getting better, making yourself a better person. Um, Absolutely. And, uh, you know, and honestly, that's, that's just my him. That's my opinion. Um, because I, I've never played the victim card in my life. I have my own story, um, which we certainly won't get into today, but I've never played the victim I've always said, you know, you take that and you turn it around, you be better than that you were yesterday and spread goodness and kindness and empathy whenever you can. Some days it's harder than others. Of course it is. But if they're being taught in some subliminal way, and that's what it sounds like. Um, I don't know. Maybe I'm wrong. Maybe I'm, maybe I've got this, maybe I've got this twisted in my, my mind the wrong way, but so there's no consequences for you. Right, no, no consequences. And it's almost like if they're, you know, that young lady you were talking about, the young girl that you were talking about, grabbing a knife and stabbing a door 40 times, that is not normal behavior. Um, but it's almost like if they're so used, so used to hearing this is what you are, they're being told what they are. Really? Um, it's like they, them as young people don't have the mental capacity to absorb that the correct way, the healthy way, and a switch flicks in their brains. It's, it's almost like brainwashing them, I would say. Yes, and I'm I mean, thinking, it really, yeah. it really does seem like it because like normally, yes, if a child acts out sexually, well, then they've been exposed to something sexual. But if you're, if, if people are like anger, 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 rage, rage, resist, resist, and teaching that to children, then, then we have a problem. I, I think it's not healthy to live in that place of constant rage. I could be, I am a nine on that scale that I was talking about. The only thing bad that hasn't happened to me is I've never had anyone die in front of me. But I come from, I, I come from a very, very dark place where my mother was grooming me to be a prostitute. Um, and she would beat me every single day when I would come home from school with a cable cord. And just, just because that's what she felt that I needed to have. She would take 
underwear, dirty underwear. If I had dirty underwear, she'd pin them to my clothes and make me go to school that way. So I have all of these reasons that I could be this extremely raging, angry, bitter human being. And something for me clicked. And honestly, it clicked for me when I was in the sixth grade and I had a teacher who told me, you know, you don't have very much control of your life at all, like at all, but you do have, you have control of your future. You don't get to, you don't get to make any decisions for where you are now in life, who you live with, you know, what kind of people are around you, but who you become, that's all on you. And at that point, I started looking at the things that have gone on in my life as a, um, with, with purpose. What purpose could, you know, being called slave girl by your own mother have? Like, where, where could this purpose come from? And then I started realizing that I'm really good at seeing people who are hurting. So maybe I can take that and that can be my purpose. I can see people who are hurting and maybe I can alleviate some of that pain by being just a kinder person. And that is something that I've literally from sixth grade, from 11 years old, kind of made a mission out of life. So, yeah. I'm, I'm, glad, I'm glad that we, you know, this is audio and not video. Um, <laughs> you, got, you got me in tears here, lady. Uh, I'm sorry. No, no, that's good because people need to hear this stuff. Um, life isn't pretty all the time. Oh. And I don't think people think about or they don't see or they choose not to see. When you just said you're really good at seeing people who are hurting, I absolutely love that because I had a conversation really just recently about just that. And sometimes no words are needed. It could be a stranger. Acknowledge that you notice their hurt. If you don't know that you see someone crying, walking through the grocery store, obviously something big's going on in their life. You don't have to know them. You don't even have to really say much. But walk up and say, I can see your hurt and I'm going to pray for you or whatever it is that you come up with. That's just what I say to people. But can I tell you this, this, this short, it, it's, it's a short story, but it's fitting for this. Yeah, sure. it's fitting sure. for December. Okay. Um, when I was like maybe 19, 19 or 20, I had, I lived with roommates and my roommates went away for the holiday, which is why it's fitting for, for, I said November, but I meant, meant December. Um, my roommates went away for the holiday and I was left by myself and I called my old, a longer term foster home. And I said, could I come? And they said, well, you can, if you can pay for your bus ticket. And to me, that kind of was like, okay, you really don't want me to come. Um, cause you know, a $40 bus ticket was a lot of money. Yeah. <laughs> okay. No, I understand that. Yes. So I decided to um, instead to go to a thrift store and try to find myself one of those little tiny trees and, you know, a few decorations to, to set up my house with. 
and um, I'm in the store and, you know, just singing my song and just, I'm literally choosing to be happy because I am sad. I am, I'm devastated that my two really nice roommates are gone and I'm by myself, you know, again, always, uh, every, every single year, you know? And, um, so I'm at the store and this lady starts talking to me and then I, I, you know, tell her, have a nice day. And I'm walking down the road and she drives up slowly behind me and she says, Hey, can I give you a ride? And I'm like, yes, and she, she's older. I'm not afraid of her. Yeah. <laughs> and, um, and so she, she gives me a ride to my apartment and I go in and I start setting up and, um, an hour later, there's a knock on my door and there's a giant Christmas tree with a Christmas tree stand and a box of those old fashioned German little, little wooden ornaments. Yeah. You know, really detailed. Um, and she brought them. And I, so I, I decorated that year and I knew that I wasn't alone. And every year since then, so for 20 years, whenever it's been possible, um, first before I was married and now being married, we will have a Christmas party where I just ask people to bring an ornament. We do all the food, um, and you know, entertaining, whatever. And I just ask them to bring an ornament for the tree. So I have this tree now that is so packed with people from over the years that I actually, like, I, I truly have to edit it. <laughs> It'll weigh <laughs> down everything. But it's really cool because what I have them do is mark on the back of that tree the year that they gave it. Or mark on the ornament the, the year that they gave it. And so you can look through 20 years of, of how much people, relating to people and, and being just a part of your life, let you know that you're not alone. And to be able to see that every single year is kind of, I mean, it's very, very special. And I wish that every single person, especially on a year like this, had a tree like that. Yes. Wow. That is absolutely beautiful. Absolutely beautiful. I, I just, and it just, it just reminds you that, you know, little tiny, little, little kindnesses can last. It's that, really long time. it's, it's the whole ripple effect, you know, <laughs> and look, this is what you said 20 years later. Yes. That ripple's still going, you know, and what, you know, if it, if it can last that long, that little, and I'm always saying toss nuggets, toss nuggets of goodness out there. That, that. that nugget that she provided, this stranger provided you all these years later is still making ripples on the water. I mean, that is just, I am yeah. loving listening to you. <laughs> you. You got me stumped for words and that doesn't happen very often. <laughs> Amazing story. That was beautiful. Absolutely beautiful. Oh my gosh. If we had like three hours, we can continue and talk and talk and talk. Um, <laughs> I definitely, I definitely want to have you back on again. If, if you're open to that. Oh, I'd love to. Sure. Because I want to, I want to hear more about, um, age out and rise up and I'll, I'll send you a picture of the, I'll send you a picture of the tree. So oh, yes, please do so. I would love that. 
but I definitely, I definitely want to learn more about, um, you know, your mission on age out and rise up and, oh, this is just wonderful, wonderful, wonderful stuff. And like I said, we could keep on going on and on. Um, I'm so glad that you, that you came on and that we connected this way and that you were, you know, open to coming on, on my show. Absolutely love it. Um, and you've, you've got so many stories that you could share to people that can shed light. Oh goodness. We could do a we could do a podcast a day for weeks. Between the two of us, we could do it for weeks. Right. <laughs> I just love meeting people who want to share that goodness, who who realize that that alone can be a purpose in this world. Absolutely. Yes. And you know, I've been I've been meeting during this whole year, this crazy, wacky year that we've all lived through. I'm meeting more and more positive people than I am negative. And I think it's, you know, it's what you throw out is what's going to come back to you. So I'm tossing out goodness and tossing out kindness. And I'm finding so much more of that coming back towards me in my direction. And I firmly believe that, you know, and I also make it a point to stay away from negativity <laughs> because it's too heavy and it, it works on you mentally and physically and this world needs more goodness and people need to you know mentally especially the children they should not have to or feel that they are so insignificant and things are so big and so scary and so dark that they don't belong on the planet anymore um so we absolutely have to toss our nuggets of goodness everywhere and Sounds like you've been doing that for a long time, and I, I applaud you for that. I am I'm in awe um, of your stories and, and you as a person. So, you know, God bless you. God bless you, lady. I, it's just, yeah, we definitely have to set the time to talk again. <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, 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 the same, the same to you. Do you want me to share my info, like where they can see my stuff? Or Yes, please do that. I know I got myself all off track. If, yes. How, how can let me let me get back into professional mode? How can how can people find you and learn more about you, Carob? <laughs> well, you can find me across the web at Age Out Rise Up. Um, I'm I do a YouTube, so I do podcasts, interviews, and they're long though, but they're on YouTube, and they are the stories of people who've aged out of foster care and what they're doing with their lives. And I also share shorter, like under 15 minute little videos um, that are bringing hope, I hope, encouragement and education to people who are in that kind of finding themselves in rock bottom and want to get to what I call point B, which is a better life. Fantastic. So, yeah. so it, your YouTube, your YouTube channel, what's that called again? I'm sorry. It's Age Out Rise Up. Oh, okay. All right. Great. Yes, people, please check that out, um, her website and her YouTube channel, and to learn more and reach out to her, uh, especially if you are someone who was in the foster care system. Um, For anybody who's really experienced trauma, like we, we all have, we all need encouragement and, and people who've experienced trauma, even like a lot of people will say, I wasn't in foster care, but I should have been. Uh, so. Uh, that's pretty, that's a pretty heavy statement too, right there, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. Oh my goodness. Okay. 
we're going to wrap up. Thank you so much for being my guest on Let Fear Bounce. And again, all of you folks out there listening, please check out her um, Age Out Rise Up website as well as her YouTube channel. Educate yourselves, people, and toss those nuggets of goodness out there. Let fear bounce, folks, and toss nuggets of goodness because it will come back to you tenfold. All right. Thanks, everybody, for tuning in to Let Fear Bounce, and we will be talking to you soon. <laughs>